Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 6, with Jose Lopez. Episode 6 of the Makers of Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, we are recording this one today fresh off the NBA draft, so it is only fitting that today's guest comes from one of the most successful NBA franchises. Jose Lopez is joining us, creative director of the Houston Rockets. Jose's enthusiasm for sports began as a child living in Panama City, Panama, watching any sporting event that was broadcast from the Armed Forces Network. At a young age, he was sent to the principal's office in school for drawing new team logos rather than doing classwork. His initial opportunities to work in sports was at Louisiana State University, where he worked for the LSU Athletic Department as a marketing graphic designer, working on advertisements, banners, game day giveaways, and promotions. This prepared him for his dream of working in pro sports. After graduating college, Jose worked at a couple of advertising agencies, gaining experience from clients across all industries, which landed him at the Houston Rockets, where he has produced award-winning campaigns and marketing pieces for the organization. Some of his work includes the Houston Rockets court design, alternate uniform, and the recently released secondary logo, which you can see at makersofsport.com. In addition to working for one of the biggest brands in one of the US, uh, USA's largest cities, Jose does freelance work for professional teams and athletes. His experience has taught him how to achieve one of the main lessons in sports marketing, which is how to sell a brand. Jose's designs, ideas, and creative direction have received national attention. Jose, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Adam. I touched briefly on your background, but can you go a little more in depth on how you eventually landed at the Rockets and then some of your past? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, gosh, uh, let's see how much time you have. Like, okay, so when I when I when I was a kid, I really really enjoyed getting this the Sunday newspaper, and um, I uh, I would always take the the coupon section, not so much the comics. But I would take the coupon section and I would just look at, uh, you know, Fruity Pebbles or, you know, Frosted Flakes and how the ads were laid out, like how colorful the the type was laid over, you know, Tony the Tiger or Lucky Charms. I, I loved collecting those because it, it just really, really caught my eye. Um, those at that time, those were the, the, the high glossy uh, pieces of uh, sheets of paper in the newspaper. So I really, really enjoyed that as a kid. And um, so I, I grew up in, in, in Panama and, and I grew up in New Orleans. So I was in Panama um, and I, I moved to New Orleans when I was, uh, let's see, uh, before I was uh, one year old. So then I'm, I'm, so then we were in New Orleans and I was there for kindergarten, first grade, moved back to Panama, second grade, third grade, moved back to New Orleans, moved back to Panama. Uh, and then went to, through school all the way uh, until I graduated high school and then ended up coming to the States for, for college. However, when when I was in Panama, I love sports and I love watching. Um, we had the Armed Forces uh, Television Network and I would always watch, you know, where there's college basketball, college football. Uh, I love watching Saints football, but you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pick and choose. We didn't have direct TV. You couldn't pick the game that you wanted to watch. So I, ju- I would just watch whatever whatever came on. 
when I was in high school, I always wanted to be around sports, but I didn't know that there was actually graphic design in sports. And I really didn't pay that much attention to graphic design either. So I made my decision to go to a big university that had a lot of sports. And, you know, I was familiar with Louisiana. So when I go to LSU, my brother was going there at the time and he ended up uh, going to LSU and loving it. Um, and while I was there, I took an art class, uh, art history. And that, um, that just, you know, got my interest going. And um, I would always doodle in high school and in college. I just always, I was always just doodling. So one of my teachers said, well, why don't you take like an art history and, and, and major in commercial art? And I was just like, uh, sure. I, you know, what I enjoyed doing was going to the football games, the basketball games, uh, you know, even, even the, even the uh, women's soccer. Uh, I, I enjoyed just being around the atmosphere of college sports. So I started taking some classes and I ended up being, uh, I ended up getting a job at the, the Daily Reveille, which was the, the newspaper at, um, at LSU. And I was a graphic designer. So I, I got my, you know, a lot of experience there. And uh, along with taking a lot of classes, I felt like I was doing real work, not just, uh, not just project, uh, like homework and assignments. A friend of mine was working at the athletic department, a really good friend of mine. And he said that, you know, we have a graphic designer and she's graduating and um, he works for the marketing department. He said, they don't, they don't pay, but they pay for your tuition. And I was like, wait a second, that's, wow. that's better than paying it. Yeah. Uh, because, I, because not only was I out of state, but I was actually an international student. So I interviewed with the director of marketing at the athletic department and he saw my portfolio and he said, yeah, you know, would like to bring you on board. Um, you know, we'll work around your hours. And I got that job and it was fantastic because, um, not only did I work for the marketing promotions department, but I also worked on a lot of the giveaways, um, uh, some some of the posters. I know that the the the, um, the sports information department they had a, a design department and they would do all the publications and all the posters. But the marketing department we did a lot of the the small flyers, giveaways, and in all honesty, I did anything I could to help out. So. I would go there in between classes and just constantly work. So when I left LSU, I had a portfolio full of real work. So I, I you know, I, I graduated uh, LSU in, uh, two, in 1999 and um, I wanted to continue working in sports, but because I'm an international. Did you cross paths with Jason Fairman? You know, there? I, I remember seeing him. I remember seeing him and he worked, I, he was in the uh, sports information uh, um, department and he was, I think uh, the mark. I, I forgot how many floors were in the LC, in the in the athletic department, but I want to say we were on the top floor, and he was like on the we we're in the fifth floor, and he was on the fourth floor. Gotcha. So I remember seeing him, but you know we didn't really we really didn't talk. But I mean I I know of him, and I've seen his work, and it's it's you know it speaks for itself. It's fantastic. So when when I graduated, because I'm an international student, you have to move back home unless you uh you have to apply for a J one permit. Yeah. So I applied for one and I got a job at the New Orleans brass hockey team uh, as the assistant director of ticket sales. And I have no idea how to sell tickets, but I said, you know, why not? Because it's still sports and, you know, maybe one day I can work for the saints. So I started working there and um, it, it wasn't what I, it, it, I didn't enjoy it. I, by no means it, it, it wasn't fun. The owner wasn't, uh, wasn't all that great. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, I, you know, I wasn't designing anything. However, 
there was one day in specific that the agency that we had in New Orleans, they I, they had like a long weekend. They closed shop. And I remember our director of marketing getting upset with them because nobody could make any of the changes on one of the brochures that we needed. And I said, you know, I, I can make these changes. And he, you know, he said, you know, well, how can you make these changes? And, you know, back then I had like a, a black uh, MacBook Pro. I pulled it out and I started taking 13 inch. Yes. I had the same one. <laughs> yes. And it was heavy. It didn't have a lot of uh, uh, space. Yes, like, that thing was so heavy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how, um, I don't know how I worked on Photoshop on that thing. Like looking now, just cause it took forever <laughs> to, to make these changes. Yeah. And I remember creating this brochure and showing him and he, you know, he was, he was really excited that I was able to, you know, to do some of, do some of that work. And he was just like, you know, maybe you can start doing some of this stuff for us. And I was just like, yeah, absolutely. I was really, really excited. However, I still had to do my day-to-day sales job, which I was awful at. It was just (laughs) terrible. I like, I wasn't passionate about selling. Um, so, so anyway, so, um, it it got really, really bad at at, at the brass, unfortunately, that I ended up uh, quitting mid season. Wow. Um, and I didn't know because I was on a work permit that once you quit, you have two weeks to leave the country. So I had to, I had to pack up my stuff and I ended up moving back to Panama, which was uh, it, it was a blessing in disguise because I ended up landing at uh, Puli uh, Cuatro, which is uh, affiliated with Foot Cone and Belding, which was the l- largest ad agency in Panama. And we had. Yeah, huge yeah I'm familiar with them. Yeah, it, it was it, it, it's like a branding agency, right? It is. It is. And um, uh I got um, I got I got some good experience down there, uh, but at the same time it was uh, 2000. Uh, so the Americans were leaving Panama because of the the, the Treaty of the Canal. So there was this max ex- exodus of uh, of Americans leaving uh, the country, and the economy kind of dipped a little bit. Um, but uh, so it was it was, a, it was an interesting time, in, like for me, like uh, coming back. Uh, home and you know speaking uh, speaking a different language. I mean, I, I am from Panama. I speak Spanish, uh, but uh, trying to get you know acclimated back to that culture um, was uh, it was a little bit difficult at the beginning. And um, I, I I I worked my tail off, but I didn't feel like it was really fulfilling. And how can I get back into sports? Being international, being you know from a different country where this. Wherever you come in the States, somebody has to sponsor you. And, you know, why would you sponsor somebody when you can find talent in the U.S.? So um, I moved back to Dallas after being in Panama for eight months. I moved back to Dallas for uh, an ad agency in Dallas called uh, Cibonet, and they were part of FCB, associated with them. So there I started working on different projects and um, I started working on different projects and uh, uh, big clients. Uh, uh, Nestle and uh, um, um, gosh, uh, uh, Jose Cuervo. Um, we had uh, Smirnoff. Uh, it was that, that was more of a, uh, a promotional. It, w- it was a, a Hispanic ad agency. So we did a lot of work for the Hispanic market and a lot of uh, and some general market. And they got me the work permit to to work there. However, it's not like I can just go to another uh, to another company. So I had to, I had to stay with that company because I couldn't find anybody else to sponsor me. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and then I I, I left with um, uh, they got bought out by by a different agency, publicist, and then they said that you know every, anybody who has a an H one visa, which is a work visa, they said you know sorry you got to hit the road. So I was uh, jobless 
and um, got a job with a, um, I ended up opening up my own, my own shop and I ended up eventually moving back home. The one thing that I left out in all of this was that uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she's American. We ended up getting married and we moved back to, and, um, and I moved back to Dallas. I started working at, uh, at JC Penney and it was nothing against JC Penney, but it, it, it was brutal for me. Uh, I think their, their creative department, it, it was massive, but it, 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 I felt like there was a, there was a, uh, there was a void inside because I still wanted to work in sports and Steve Vollmer in one of your last um, interviews, yeah, he touched, he touched on working on like working on your own projects, like making up your own projects. That's what I did. So I would always go home and work on my own projects. I would create campaigns for the Texas Rangers, Mavericks, Dallas Stars, New York Rangers, Milwaukee Bucks, the Rockets, the Saints, Cowboys. I would just create my own billboards, season tickets, um, uh, season you know season ticket uh, flyers. I would create everything I I could, and I would sh- and I would print them, and I would send it out to them, trying to get a job with a sports team. And um, one day the Rockets called and I remember I, I, it was December, uh, 2004. And, um, I was in, I was in my office in, in, uh, in, uh, JC Penney up in Plano and they have a, they have like a copper, uh, roof. So your cell phone service doesn't really work there. You have to press your, your head against the glass. <laughs> and I remember my cell phone started ringing and it said seven, one, three, and I took off and I ran outside it was like 20 degrees. And, um, they, they asked me if I wanted to come in for an interview. Now, when I was at JC Penney, I was an art director and, um, what the rockets were offering was a graphic designer. So, you know, if you look at the title, you, it, you know, it's there, it was a difference in title, but at that point, yeah, I didn't, care. I felt like I have to, if, if this is my passion, sometimes you have to take a step back yeah, and sometimes it has to be a step back in money or entitled. And I, at this point, I didn't care. So whatever they were going to offer me, I was going to take it. And I, I mean, I didn't tell them, that. I mean, I didn't tell them that in the interview, but I remember I, the, they called me on a Tuesday. They asked me if I can come in on a Wednesday. And I went back to my office and I told my boss, I was like, Hey, listen, I'm, 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 uh, I, I'm going to quit my job today. And he said, well, what happened? And I said, uh, you know, I got a, got an interview for the Rockets. And he was like, well, listen, that's, that's stupid for you to just quit your job. Why don't you go to your interview, see if you get it. And I, you know, I, I, I knew my abilities and I believed in them. And I said, you know, if, if I stay here, I'm all, all I'm going to do is going to steal it. I'm just going to be stealing money. So let me, um, I, I can't. So, you know, I'm probably burning a bridge or I, I I'm just, I'm just going to be thinking about the rockets while I'm here at work. So no, I, 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 that job, that's my job. So I, they, they got really, really, really mad at me that day. And I just packed up my stuff and I went home and um, drove to uh, uh, to Houston the following day, came in for the interview. They offered me the job immediately. Now the pay was, it was a drastic decrease in pay. Um, but like I said, at that point, I, I really didn't care. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that my wife, she said, this is your passion, follow it. You know, if that's what you want, we'll make it work. And it's paid off. I mean, I, I started here in, in, um, in January 2nd, 2005. And I moved up to creative director. I'm sorry. I moved up to a um, creative manager 
and then to um and then to art director and uh and then now to creative director I've been the creative director for the past three seasons so it's um it's fun it's fun working in, in sports and um i know that a lot of people would 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 die uh to have an opportunity like this and i'm pretty fortunate to to have it i, I know that was a really really long story no man that was great i, I didn't uh I, I didn't know that i think that's a uh that's a good uh, persistent. Uh, it shows persistence, right? Like, and I would imagine that quitting your job at J.C. did not even pale in comparison to having to get sent back out of the U.S. I mean, that that just seems minor. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was pretty rough. But you know, just like you know, j- just like Steve said in in uh, your past interview, that um, you know, you work on your own campaigns, work on your own ideas, and, and develop those. I mean, that 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 is a that is a gr- that's great advice because. Um, you know, and I'm not saying not not to go out with your friends, but like you have extra time, you know, just develop those skills and and show people what you can do. Like we have a um, we're going to have an opening here in the creative department uh, for a graphic designer. And we had one um, we had one uh, open like for five months. And I can't tell you how many resumes I would receive, how many calls I would get. And uh, people would tell me, you know, how much they love sports and how, how much they want to work in the industry. And I, I get that. I, I understand. But I need to see it. Yeah. Because if your portfolio doesn't reflect that, then, you know, I, I think that I think that you, I think you should you should work on those skills and hone those skills and show me what you got. I mean, you can find pictures of every basketball player, every MLB player, every NFL player, NHL, MLS on the Internet. So grab those pictures. I know they're low res. Start clipping and show me what you got. Yeah, it's such a different animal in the world of design sports. If you just look at the, just the depth involved and just the Photoshop chops that that you need to be able to have the uh, photo manipulation, photo illustration chops, especially you know when unless you're doing like branding branding work and then you got to have obviously like we've touched on in the past with Joe Bosack and and Todd Radom, you got to have illustration skills. Um, so there's a guy, Dan Simon, uh, studio Simon.com is his website. He's actually a fellow Kentucky and I've talked about him before. He does a lot of sports branding work in the, um, in the, uh, minor league baseball world. And he, he actually has a similar story in the sense of making his own work. Like I remember hearing him speak one time and he talked about, you know, I was working at a traditional advertising agency out in California and I just, I wanted to do sports related work. So I went and bought or I went and went home and and basically made sports related work, and then I bu- had some logos printed up on some cheap jerseys or whatever, and then photographed them, and you know so that it looked real. And then I think this was actually when he was at the agency he was at, and they were trying to win a sports related account, and they just didn't have any of the of the work, and uh, and they did that, and of course it 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 won him over, and I think we see now uh, with you, and then also with Steve that that those things. Uh, those things are always positive working on those types of projects, personal work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, uh, um, one thing that I left off in the whole story, like when, when I was in Panama working on uh, the ad agency, like I, there was a, there was a new developmental basketball league that had started and they had, it was very small, six teams and they were using, um, uh, the, the Chicago bulls as one of their logos. Uh, they, they were just, they just, the clip art and just stole some of the logos from the U S and they kept on thinking like, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to come after, um, a small league in central America. 
So I, w- I went to their offices and I, and I, and I said, listen, you guys um, are doing this all wrong. I can create these logos for all the teams. And they were like, well, how much is that going to cost? And I just wanted to, I just wanted to do the work and I wanted, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want them to say no. So I, I lowballed the heck out of myself. And I said, uh, how's $200 a logo? Yeah. And they kicked me out. You know, they called me a crook. Oh, and, and I was, I was really, really mad. And I said, you know, uh, I called them like the following week and I said, how about this? How about I do the logos for free, but I own the logos and I can sell the merchandise and I can make all the profits. And they were interested, huh. but they never called me back. Yeah. And then I called them again, nothing. I called them again, nothing. And at that point I was just like, uh, so anyway, so that, that was a little, that was a little uh, part of when I was in Panama, then I moved back to Dallas and all that other stuff. However, those logos, they're, um, they're still around. And I, I don't know, like some, somebody got one of the logos and I've seen them in t-shirts in Panama. So I don't wow. know how the heck they got got it but at the same time you know what are you gonna do i don't yeah. live down there so right i'm not gonna you know well you pick you pick your battles and... on stuff like that too right yeah i actually got a, a a project in kind of a similar way it was for my high school um where i i played basketball there and ran track and also soccer but like uh so i i have i was you know familiar with the athletic department kind of had a uh uh, was, you know, interested in it and had a little bit of nostalgia towards it. Well, my team would use logos from professional sports teams. Like, uh, it's the, it's the, the Indians is the nickname. And so they would use like the Kansas city chiefs or like, uh, Montgomery is the County. So like that, it was an M. So they would use like a Michigan M or like Minnesota or just any M they could get their hands on and just change the colors. And, And we had actually just hired a, former college basketball coach for our high school uh, boys basketball team. And um, uh, we had like really good facilities that they've built up over the years. And I basically went to him and was like, look, you guys are, are you're being serious, right? Like you, you're, you're showing initiative that you want to be taken seriously as an athletic program, but obviously you hired this coach. We had a, a division one basketball player that was coming out of there. And, and I was like, but your identity is just terrible. Like we, we got to do something about this. So I basically kind of did the same thing. It was like, I, you need to let me design something for you that is specific to you. And so that was when I designed the, uh, the, the Indians logo, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how some of these pro- projects come about. Right. So talk to me a little bit about the, um, the, the department that you work in there. Like what's the, well, I know that you moved up from designer to art director to creative manager and then, um, creative director is that is that the hierarchy there like how many how many typical creatives fully staffed do you have there let's see so right now um we have two graphic designers and then a, and then a videographer and motion graphic designer um so we we're the ones that that, that crank out like the the look and feel of, of and every, anything rockets related like from there we pass everything over to our uh, senior e-marketing manager and he has um uh, I oversee that department too, which is the web and social media. And then we, they take a lot of our look and feel and they manipulate it to, you know, for Instagram or Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Develop all the digital assets or whatever. Correct. And then all the graphics that we come up with, we also send it down to our video department. So they're in charge of the 360, the, um, all the, all of our led, uh, screens, 
and they they do a lot of our commercials too. So everything is done in house. Wow. So that's so you're so as as a creative director in terms of like the the senior management front office, where are you in, in relation to those, those people? Like, do you have like a seat at the table or? I do not have a seat at the table. That would be uh, our senior director of marketing. Okay. So I report to a senior director of marketing. So at the beginning of the season, like we, well, I say the beginning of the season, like it's kind of like right now we're, we're like, we, we start planning on what's the message going to be, what's the look and feel. And I start developing that, that, that message and, 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 um, and, and concept. And then like we go back and forth and also bring in our director of uh, game presentation who also is our, our producer. And like, we just start, you know, hashing it out and thinking about different ideas. And, but I'm, I, I use, I start developing everything uh, late July. And then uh, depending on what happens in free agency, we start, you know, bringing in our own, um, uh, we, our players, our, off, our offices are right in Toyota center. So, uh, which is, you know, where we play. Uh, so once those players are in, we have photo shoots with them. We have easy access to the players. Our media relations department um, does a great job at helping us out. Anytime we need a player for a shoot, an ad, billboards, you know, whatever that we need it for, we just tell them and they arrange it. And um, we just get everything done and start, you know, getting everything out into the public. Wow. So what is a, what, does a typical day look like? I mean, what type of projects come through the door? I know that when you look at your website and then we had a, obviously a brief conversation off the record before this, but like, what's, what, what type of work are you doing? I mean, I know being over the web team, so you got print, you got web identity, like just what, give me some examples. Okay. So, uh, the one, the one thing I will say about the NBA that it's, it's, it's unpredictable and it's, it changes daily, especially during the season where um, we don't have this problem anymore, but when we didn't have uh, when we didn't have Dwight Howard and uh, and, and James Harden, um, you know, sometimes it was hard to sell tickets. So coming up with different ideas to sell a game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, um, we had to get you know we'd have to get ads out, and uh, th- that's the one thing that I can say that it, that is, that it's predictable about this is that it's unpredictable that it just changes constantly. Yeah, a typical day like right now in the summer. Like we're working on a lot of uh, projects that like we're working on a lot of confidential projects. They're, they're, they're pretty big. Um, but during the season, um, we get I've seen our print budget just slowly like disappear. Uh, but we still have a lot of money to, you know, uh, go on the, from the, to promote the team on the, on a, on a digital scale. Yeah. So um, we get uh, requests for. Um, you know, everything from, you know, season tickets to billboards, um, uh, sales decks for corporate, um, sales decks for our sales team, um, maps, uh, seating chart maps or group sales flyers, ads for all these different publications and ads for, uh, banner ads for our ESPN or CSN. It's, it feels like it, it doesn't end. It's always, it's, it's constant. And sometimes I wish that we had some time to breathe, but then at the same time, it's exciting. It's, 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 def, it's definitely fun. And it's, it's great going out, driving down the street and seeing your billboard. Yeah. Um, seeing, uh, you know, the launch campaign, seeing the season tickets, which, you know, which is something I'll, I'll definitely you know, touch on. I know that you spoke to Todd Radom. He talked about tickets. Like I've seen tickets disappear. Yeah. And it, that bothers me because I remember in 1985 going to my first Saints game and um, they played the Rams 
and how how great it was to have that ticket right and how great it was to have the game day program and we used to have game day programs we don't have them anymore um we've moved our a lot of our tickets to paperless tickets you can still get paper tickets but it's best if you would get uh paperless tickets yeah so your paper tickets are probably something that gets emailed and they print it out or whatever right or are they actually getting paper tickets that you mail to them? No, well, the paper tickets we we still mail it to them. Oh, okay. But 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 if you were to purchase season tickets today, you will not get paper tickets. Oh, okay. So you had yeah, you had to you had to be like grandfathered in. I gotcha. I gotcha. So I was always curious about this, and, and I think this is sort of the overarching question. And this is really in any any sport. You know, the goal on like selling tickets, right? Like, is your is your are you trying to do things that are creative and draw people in in order to sell tickets or or do you, basically do you target the fans first or do you target the players first because one obviously offsets the other right like if you target the players and try to get them interested in the environment and the creativity that's around the program and that kind of thing then the tickets the the goal might be that the tickets will sell right yes uh, however like you know a good example is uh, uh, Dwight Howard when we got Dwight Howard our our ticket sales numbers like they, they increased but but because we got them, like we have to do something even even bigger. We have to come up with a new campaign that's going to be you know that's going to strike a chord in the Houston market because we we still compete with uh, the, um, the the Texans and um, and football's king in 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 Houston in Texas right Te- Texas yeah but um, but yes I mean we obviously we target the fans and we try to get we try to you know come up with a with a good message and you know our marketing department does a great job at doing the research on you know what words uh, and what words will uh, affect the, the the Houston market um so I mean we definitely target the fans and you know what we do like I I constantly say this to a lot of our staff is that you know, we're here to sell I mean you know, graphic design and you're trying to create a compelling message without really, you know, a lot of words, it's more visual, catch your eye and for you to make that decision, like your, your hard earned dollars, are you going to go to the Astros game, a, a Dynamo game, a Texans game or, or a Rockets game? And uh, I think that, I think that we do a really good job at, at promoting our team. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys do as well. Um, what, what is it like to have your work on, on a, basically like a pedestal, right? I mean, you're, we're talking about a very successful franchise, and and I can't imagine that anything that that you guys post, specifically you yourself, you know, anything that you work on doesn't get critiqued or criticized by Johnny fan or any kind of message boards or anything like that. Do you read that stuff or do you try to stay away from that? No, I, I read it. I mean, I think it's important to read it. And, you know, it, it, you have to have thick skin. Like I, I've, I've always said I remember my first design job, my my boss is uh, ripping me apart and telling me how how an awful of a designer I was and. And uh, I, I did listen to him because, I'm, you know, he, he was my boss. But, right. you know, now with all the social channels, everybody's a critic and nobody knows the story behind it. There's a, there's a, there's always a story behind it and there's a process behind it. Like, you know, a good example is the the secondary logo. You know, that secondary logo, um, it 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 has to look like what we what we have right now. Right. Like it, I, we can't come up with anything different that it's well, we can't come up with anything that looks that that looks nothing like what we have right now. Like our the the, the word mark Houston Rockets has a very Asian feel to it, and, and I and I get that. And um, let's see. So uh, last season, the past two seasons, uh, Adidas has been using like a, a, the letter H as 
a secondary logo, I guess, because it was on our some of our warmups. And we had a meeting with them and I said, it, you know, why is it that you guys use that? Why don't you just use our R? And they said, well, you know, you guys are one of the teams that don't have a secondary logo. And our our CEO said, well, you know, we have an HR and we did. I had created that a while ago. So we sent it to Adidas. They liked it, got it approved by the league. And and now it's out there. And it's it's something it's something uh, different that, you know, that we can use uh you know, to market the team. And the reality is that, uh, unfortunately, like our logo is really, really difficult to work with. It's a very horizontal logo if you look at it. Um, so it doesn't have a key, uh, a key line around it. So if you're on a red background, the logo has to be white with a gray drop shadow. Uh-huh. And, you know, an example like the, the, the Dallas Mavericks, they don't have that problem. If they have their blue background, they can just slap their logo on it yeah. because it has that 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 white uh, keystroke. And it, it's difficult. It, it's it, If you put it next to uh, another NBA team logo, our logo shrinks. So we decided to just, you know, let's not use a Houston Rockets because the R is pretty familiar. And it's it is cool. And it's like it, it looks great on a T-shirt. It looks great on a hat. But to work around it, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it is difficult and it's challenging. And, um, you know, adding the secondary logo into the mix, you know, it, it definitely helps. But, you know, I do read the critiques and people rip it. You know, people destroy it and people, everybody is an expert. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's a secondary logo. I can understand if it was a primary logo. I mean, that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but this is going to be used on merchandise and on the, on the uh, warm-ups. Uh, but, but yeah, everybody's a critic regardless of what you do. You know, I, right. I've seen like a lot of our, our campaign, um, uh, on blogs here in Houston and people ripping it to shreds and they say, you know, I would have done this, I would have done that. And, you know, okay, well, fantastic. You know, I, great. You know, I, I, yeah, you're not going to please everybody. Right. And your, your work is so public because it's obviously a successful franchise. And I think a lot of people, tend to look at this stuff in a vacuum. Like I, something that you said a minute ago that that I find interesting, um, which, it, you know, just regular Joe may not think about is, you know, you're thinking about how does this thing look compared to the other logos of the NBA? And when you said when you scale it down, it looks really small compared to the other one. So we need to uh, solve a problem that helped us to sort of fit in in that uh, I guess take up more visual space when it's when it's scaled down low. Those are those are the. It's sort of like the story behind the story, right? It's like Absolutely. like you were saying earlier. There's always a problem that needs to be solved with design, and and nobody knows what the the background stories are, who the stakeholders are were that that sort of chose this route and that kind of thing. And like you said, everybody has an opinion. So that's true. <laughs> take take it up for you, man. I'm taking it up for you. <laughs> um, so. You guys have rebranded a few times over, I don't know, the last 20 years or so. What what is there a typical timeline on something like that? Or is it just something that the, maybe you guys get together and decide, well, it's time. Uh, the team, the team has changed. The atmosphere has changed. Like we need to we need to do this. Right, right. Well, um, my understanding is it, it takes two years to change uh, to change your logo and your uniform. Now, if you want to come up with a sec with a an alternate uniform yes it takes a season to do that but if you're going to change your entire brand it takes around two years and you know i, I know that the fans in houston um I, I, again you're reading blogs and people want something new um but at the same time that i wouldn't say that that would be my decision um 
the owner likes the logo owner likes the uniforms and you know we work for him so if he likes it then that's what we're that's what we're keeping right how does uh um how much involvement does the nba like front offices have in in like changes like this like are they approving uniform designs and things like that or is it just more local to um to your team no no they, they definitely um they definitely have a hand in it i mean we when we uh when I started creating the alternate uniform, the reason I was dabbling into it is because everybody everybody talks about the the championship years and the ketchup and mustard colors, and you know it is pretty dynamic. I I love the I love the that yellow. It, it's to me like it really really jumps and it represents the Rockets in a in a positive way. I mean people remember you know, those years, so you know why not bring that back? And um, so I created that jersey. And we send it over to uh, like owner really liked it. So we send it over to the league and then they came back like with 10 different uh, versions of it. Oh, man. And so their in-house staff redesigned it. I think they sent it over to Adidas. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, they sent it over to Adidas and then they came back with uh, with changes and just different versions. And our owner said, no, you know, I like the one that was done in-house. Let's just go with this one. And, and that's what we went with. And that only took like a that took a season. And it was, you know, it was Gosh, it was it was great. I mean, I, I remember being at the game and like seeing the best players in the world, uh, you know, playing basketball with something that I designed and you know picking up a NBA 2K and playing it and and being awful at it. But but I was just like, gosh, like the uniforms are there. It was it was, uh, it was definitely a special moment. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm glad to see that you guys brought that color back because that's sort of the. Um, I don't know. I always talk about I always talk about the '90s a lot, but I think it's just because <laughs> I think it's because I'm 31 and like those years were sort of like my childhood NBA, and like I'm just so nostalgic about about that era. Right, right, right. No, hey, I and and I, you know what's funny? I think it's actually I think there's actually this weird cultural thing too with designers because I tend to see a lot of like vintage NBA design work, whether it's like illustrations. I remember seeing like a an illustration of like Stacy Ogman from <laughs> Atlanta floating around somewhere a, a while ago. But it's like, you know, those are the things where it's, that's, that's when I was like collecting cards and I knew, like, I remember I could Everyone. name every single player on NBA, NBA live, literally everybody in the game. No, I get that. I mean, I, I, I um, I'm a little bit older than 31, but I remember the eighties, the nineties and how big basketball was then. And um, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was excited to see the the Hornets rebrand. I think it's fantastic to bring that color scheme back. Yeah, and see the uh, a, a new uh, Hugo the Hornet. And, you know, it's it's exciting to see that. And I think the NBA and and the you know Hornets did did a great job. Yeah, I noticed that you do a lot of freelance work. I do too. And and because your job is so demanding, I know every time we tend to email each other or chat, it's you tend to be leaving the office. <laughs> how do you how do you balance them both? Well, I. The work-life balance here at the Rockets—it's—it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I—I, I, you know, when I'm in the office, I don't like I don't get on the social sites and and read blogs. I, I do that. You know, I tend to do it late at night, so I try to capitalize on every single moment when I'm in the office, trying to crank out the work. And again, like I said earlier, it seems like it never stops. It's—it's it's always coming. And in our seat, in our our, to me, the NBA season has gotten. Uh, people think that because it's the summer. It tends to slow down. It's Friday right now and it's four o'clock and I'm still here and I'm sure I'll be here until six o'clock because there's, there's work to do. And, um, but I get home at a decent time. I play with my kids, have dinner, um, hang out with my wife, 
they go to bed and I jump on and I start working on freelance projects. I mean, um, I usually have a good idea um, on on um, depending on the, the the client, whether it's uh, you know Saints players or uh, um, I, I do some stuff for Steiner Sports. Um, I, I, I get a I have a good understanding of what they want and I'm able to knock it out. I mean, I say knock it out pretty quick, but I mean it takes me around. Uh, like three hours and sometimes I pay the price because I go to sleep around three in the morning, but that's, you know, I, I feel like at that point, like it's my fault, you know, but I'm still here in the morning, you know, ready to knock out a bunch of uh, rockets projects. And, 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 and you know, in, in relation to, again, to what Steve Ulmer said, like I've always felt that way, like they're creating your own projects. And um, back in uh, um, um, when the, uh, when the saints won the Super Bowl, I was a big saints. Fan. I mean, I, I still am, but I, I, I was so, I was at the game and I was so excited and, you know, you want the, you want the shirt, you want the hat. And when I got back home, I was just like, there's, I'm sure there's some cool posters out there. There's some cool, um, you know, pieces of memorabilia and I didn't find any. So I was just like, well, why don't you just create my own? So I just created like two pieces for myself. And then I printed like one and I gave it to like, you know, I printed like a couple. I just gave it to you know some of my friends and then some of the players saw it online and then they contacted me and then they've asked me to do some, can I do like a project here and there for them? Wow. That's awesome. And, uh, and, that, and that's been great. You know, I, I, uh, um, I, I, it's, yes, it has been great. And, it, and, and it's fun to, to, to see those projects and, you know, have the players tweet it out and just, you know, the fact that they like it, it's, it's pretty cool. So um, yeah, again, that goes back to creating your own stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting that it led you to work from those players. Obviously you couldn't sell the poster that you designed, right? Cause I mean, there's obviously licensing things and stuff like that. Absolutely. That's right. I, I, I can't sell those posters, but um, like for example, you know, like the Steiner sports, I mean, they have the license. So whatever I create for them, they, you know, I see it up on their website and they're selling them. So, yeah. but, um, but yes, you're right. Yeah. I, the ones that I, that I create for the players, yeah, I don't sell those, but you know, I definitely, um, do those projects for them. And then, uh, Steiner, that's a separate deal. So, yeah. So as, as, uh, as creative director, are you sort of like the brand police too? Are you, um, you know what? Yes, I, I am. And like I said earlier, our logo is difficult. It's just, if you have the vector version of it and you look at it, it's just, it's, it's just really, really hard to work with. I find myself, uh, you know, calling different vendors whenever they misuse our logo. And, you know, I, I understand because the, if you have a vector version of our logo, if you click on it, you can easily shift one of the letters and you move the, the, the background, not the background, the, the drop shadow. You have to change the color of it depending on the background. And sometimes like on a red background, people use the black and you're not supposed to use black. So you're constantly calling people and telling them what to do and not to do. And, you know, they have our style guide. Like a lot of times, you know, our Adidas, they have our style guide and, and sometimes they get it wrong. And um, it's a little bit frustrating at times, but at the same time, I think I understand it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a complex logo to work with. Yeah. So you have, um, how, like the, your, your style of work, like you kind of tend to have this very high um, Photoshop uh, artistic photo manipulation style. Is that something that you've worked just to develop over the years or, or did that kind of come natural to you uh, developing this particular style? It seems, I mean, I think that I can look at your work, I guess what I'm saying and tell that, that it's yours. Ah, that's great. I mean, I, I, I think that's good. Um, 
I um, yes, I mean, I, I've been developing uh, that style for a while, and uh, but at the same time, I feel like I have to move away from it and just you know come up with something new. I, the thing about our industry, you know, and, and trends they they always change, and uh, you know how can you keep something that uh, that's timeless and sometimes I go back and I look at my work like when I was in college or my first job and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this was God awful. How did this thing get approved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, I, I could totally identify with that, man. <laughs> like I have, um, I have, uh, because of, of where I worked after school at, um, the sports marketing firm host communications. I, I mean, I have books and books of media guides, game programs of like high profile work from, like major university athletic programs. And I wouldn't even de- like, I look at it now and I'm like, dude, that stuff is horrible. I can't believe they even let me touch. Th- I can't believe they even let me touch that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good thing though, man. Like if we're not looking back and at your work, I look at stuff from last year and I'm like, Oh dude, that's brutal. Yeah. But I think that's the, I think that's a good thing, right? That means you, uh, you know, hopefully that means that you're growing as a, as a designer. Yes. Yeah. And getting better. Yes. I mean, absolutely. You know, like one of the things like I've I've spoken to different uh, uh, creative directors in uh, not just in sports, but just in uh, agency. And they tell me that they really don't design anymore. And, um, you know, I, I have to design a lot over here uh, because of the amount of work that comes in Um, and, you know, getting, getting new designers, you know, trying to teach them and, and show them the ropes and how things uh, work and operate. I feel like I'm constantly working on things. And, you know, like you say, you go back and you're working, you look at, you, you should have, you know, made things different. Like I look at our, um, I look at um, like th- this season's campaign, we had a, a new age and we had Dwight come in, took a couple of pictures of him, did a great photo shoot with us. And there's some stuff that I missed on that shoot. And there's some stuff that I had to manipulate on you know a lot of the the the, the campaign pictures that, that, that went before it was released that people don't pick up in the office and I don't think our fans pick up either but I look at it and I'm like man nobody has commented on this but I see it and it still bothers me yeah have you have you um have you heard of that uh video there's this guy Ira Glass who's like NPR uh radio host but he there's like a, a video on vimeo where he's being interviewed about being a creative person and making a whole lot of work and there's this thing called the gap which i think i might have actually even touched on this on an earlier podcast episode but it's basically like the only way to close the gap of your taste and the things that you think look really good like the people that we look at and we're like man they are so good and then like you look at your own work and you're like man this is this is crap the the only way to close the only way to close that gap is to just make a whole lot of work, right? And I think that kind of goes back to you practicing with, um, you know, wallpapers or digital illustrations or whatever. Yeah, no, I I, I think I, I haven't heard of that, but that's actually really. I mean, he's right. I think he's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, what? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've given us a whole lot about do a whole, you know, do a, make your own work, but do you have any additional information for anybody that's maybe looking to get started in, in designing for sports or working at a, at an athletic team, pro sports team, wherever, you know, to be passionate about it. I mean, I, I, I remember asking, um, I remember when I was in elementary school, I asked my dad, uh, if he liked what he did. And he said that, um, if he could do it for free, he would do it, but you know, I have to pay for mortgage and house and school and all this other stuff. And I took that and I still remember when he said that and I've asked him like later down the road, 
that, you know, why did he say that? He said, because he really enjoys what he does. Um, and I always, I always think about that. Like if I were to win the lottery tomorrow and a lot of people say that, Oh, I would quit my job. Um, I would, I would continue to design because it's something that I, something that I love and something that I'm very passionate about. And I think that, you know, find your passion and, 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 you know, hone it and, and, and strive to be better every day. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I go to the grocery store and just look at packaging. And if I were to go to the grocery store myself, I would buy a bunch of stuff that probably doesn't taste good, but it looks really cool. Um, and my wife, she's, um, she's, uh, she always makes comments about that because if she does go, when she goes out of town, um, and she comes home, she sees some stuff. She goes, Why'd you buy this? And I was like, Oh, cause I like the packaging. I like the font. I like the font. <laughs> it looked like the barbecue sauce looked great. And, and, but that's, that's what catches my eye. Like I love going down the beer aisle and looking at all the different labels and how they come up with that stuff. It's yeah, it's fantastic. It just, you know, so I think to just, you know, um, get inspiration from, from, you know, whatever gives you peace of mind. Like I, I love sports, but I try not to, you know, watch a lot of it sometimes. Um, uh, like right now the world cup is on everywhere. And sometimes I, I, I enjoy world cup soccer, but it's, you know, sometimes it's, you get an overload of sports and I like to pick up a gosh, red book or Cosmo or men's health, because that's not something that I'm normally going to, I'm not going to read a red book or a Cosmo, but those ads are pretty interesting. And I like to see what other people are doing in different industries and, you know, hopefully try to come up with an idea to apply it to what I'm going to be working on or what I'm going to, I'm going to come up with. That's great advice, man. I think that, uh, designing and sort of residing in a vacuum where it's just like, I only look at sports work. I only watch sports center. I only watch, you know, yeah. you, eventually you got, you got to get something different. And the fact that you look at red book, I love looking <laughs> at magazines. I, I'll go to, um, like bookstores, Barnes and Noble or places like that. And just like, like drool over book covers, right. You know, for like inspiration or whatever I could say there for hours and layout. I, I'm a big, I'm a big layout nerd. <laughs> I love, I love good typography and, and that type of thing. You know, like I, um, my, my, um, communication arts, uh, subscription ran out and I got an email saying that, you know, you can get the digital for X amount and I don't want the digital. Like I love holding those books and looking at those ads and those paper ads and flipping through it and putting a dog ear and just, you know, put it on my shelf. I, I'm, I, I think that, um, I know that everything is mobile now and people look at their phones and, and, I still like holding those, those books. And, you know, when you said about layout, though layout is, it, it comes easy to a lot of people and it's hard for others. And, and some, at times I find it really challenging and other times it's really easy. And, um, uh, that's why those, you know, red book comes, uh, it's actually not bad because it shows a, you know, shows just a different style of laying things out. Yeah. It's, it's putting a whole lot of content and organizing it in a, in a visually pleasing and, and readable way. Right. Like that's the main thing. People got to be able to read this stuff. Absolutely. So how does, uh, aside from just, you know, what we just talked about, let's say I'm a freelancer and I want to get on the radar. I know that you guys don't outsource, but let's say I want to get on the radar of a professional sports team or something like that. How does one do that? It's about relationships. It's about sort of spamming you guys with work. You know, I, I, I can't speak for others. I mean, I guess it all depends, but, um, call me. I think picking up the phone is, um, it's something that people don't do. Um, much nowadays people email or they want to connect with you on LinkedIn. 
and, you know, just pick up the phone and call. It, it doesn't hurt to talk to the other person. I, I, I'm, uh, we, yes, we do everything in house and I like to protect the brand and, uh, but people have you know, in the past have emailed me their work and, um, and I'm pretty honest with them. You know, if it's, if it's not good, if it's not what I'm looking for, I tell them why, and this is why not. I, this is why I don't like your work. And they get all mad at me. <laughs> people can't take critique anymore, I guess. <laughs> no, you know what? And, 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 and that's why, you know, um, award shows, if you're, if you're, if your stuff doesn't win, it's not cause it's not good. That's not the case. It's subjective. What you think is great. You know, your friend next to you might not like it. And, and, um, you just have to have, you have to have thick skin and, yeah. you know, there's a couple of times that I know that I am just trying to knock out things and I look at it and I'm like, God, leave this. I, I know I'm under deadline, but this, it, it's not working. And, you know, my boss sees it and he was like, yeah, that, that looks great. And I'm like, okay, well, I know it needs to get out. So let's just get it out. Um, and, uh, there's other times when, you know, I, you know, I, call our designers and I ask them, Hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, Ugh, that, you know, maybe if we can change the type or, you know, make this a little bit smaller. And, you know, I, I listen and, and you just have to take critique easily and don't get upset. You know, just, I think if you're comfortable with it and you can convince other people why it's a good process and it's a good design, I think then, uh, then you're on the right track. Yeah. I think you've given some really good advice. Where can our listeners find out more about you and see your work and also maybe get in touch if they want to? Um, well, follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, at J Lopez creative and my, my portfolio is online. It's a uh, crop.com backslash Jose Lopez. That's crop with a K. So I, I try to constantly um, update my work and, and put it up there. There's some stuff that I can't put up, but, um, but uh, most of it's up there. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know it's a busy, busy time for you. No, nah, hey, no problem. I mean, uh, anytime, uh, you know, if you ever need anything, uh, you know, need, just, you know, call me. Awesome. Our next episode is going to be a bit different than, than the ones we've had in the past as far as designers, art directors, and photographers go. Um, we are going to have Hans Anderson. Hans is actually a senior concept developer at ESPN Emerging Technologies, and he's going to be joining me to discuss the future of how we will experience sports through technology and augmented reality. Uh, the, the ESPN Emerging Technologies group is also the group that is responsible for bringing us the infamous yellow line that we see on uh, football broadcasts. Hans specializes in programming languages, user interfaces, motion capture and sensing, real-time rendering, and high-volume data provision renderers. He started as a graphic designer, actually, and, and got hev more heavily involved into those technologies. Um, at ESPN, him and his team are responsible for inventing new real-time and augmented reality technology. So this could be a, an interesting conversation about the future of, of how we will experience sports. Big thanks again to Jose. Uh, again, you can follow him on Twitter, at Creative. Uh, be sure to follow myself as well at T Adam Martin and the show at makers of sport, check out the website and submit questions for myself or guests. Uh, that is at makersofsport.com. Thanks again to all of you listening until next time, signing off later.